بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم in the name of Allah the most beneficent the most merciful I testify that there is no true God worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad is Allah's true slave and messenger may Allah sallallahu be upon the Prophet and his household and the companions and those who follow on their path until the day of resurrection this is the second class on the description of the Salah on the night of the 23rd of the third month of the Islamic calendar corresponding to May 1st 2005 and this second class comes after the first class which in which we described the alignment and the straightening of the rows <coughs> now after the straightening of the rows the Muslim in the prayers will say Allahu Akbar and when we say the Muslim will say Allahu Akbar this is the saying of the tongue and when it's generalized this is what it really means that it is the saying of the tongue however if it is restricted like someone saying he says in his heart or says in himself then it becomes as such meaning as restricted in this format so <coughs> the musalli the one in the prayer the Muslim will say Allahu Akbar and this is a pillar this is a pillar Salah cannot be established without this utterance of Allahu Akbar because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught the one who did not correctly pray the man who prayed badly he told him إِذَا قُمْتَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ فَأَسْبِغُ الْوُضُوءِ ثُمَّ اسْتَقْبِلِ الْقِبْلَةَ فَكَدِّرِ He ordered this man or that man that if you stand to perform the Salah to establish the Salah when you intend to establish the Salah then you complete the ablution then direct yourself in the direction of the Qibla and then Fakabbir make Takbir and he also told him this person who did not pray did not complete his salah he told him irja fasalli we know that he told him irja fasalli return and pray فَإِنَّكَ لَمْ certainly you did not establish the prayers and therefore every command which the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam commanded this person or that person the one who did not complete his salah or did not correctly do his salah then this is considered a rukun a pillar salah cannot be established without it now what about the case if a person is unable to utter the takbir maybe he is dumb d-u-m-b cannot speak would it be dropped off lifted or should he intend that in his heart or should he move his tongue and lips we say he intends it in his heart because the saying Allahu Akbar comprises the utterance of the tongue 
and the saying of the heart meaning he didn't utter on his tongue Allahu Akbar except after this has been said in his heart and he was determined concerning it and if it is not possible to utter it by the tongue then it is obligation to say it in the heart and not to move his tongue and lips with it contrary to what has been mentioned by some people of knowledge who said that he can utter the person can utter or can move rather his lips and tongue with it and we say in response that such movement of the tongue and of the lips are not intended by itself rather it is intended for some other purpose meaning that the utterance cannot take place except through that and therefore if what is originally sought is not possible to attain then the means to it is lifted and this means would be just like just a movement of just no purpose so what would be the benefit from the movement of the tongue and the lips while he cannot utter so the preponderating opinion in this respect is that the person if he or she is dumb cannot utter by the tongue in this case the person may make the intention of that in his heart and does not move his lips nor his tongue because this is of no use and the movement in the salah which is not needed now we say that the person says Allahu Akbar يقول Allahu Akbar and we have said that إِنَّ الْقَوْلَ يَكُونُ بِاللِّسَانِ that the utterance takes place by the tongue now is it conditional to make himself hear his utterance there is اختلاف concerning this matter there is difference of opinion some of the scholars said it's a must that he should make himself hear what he utters and thus if he utters the saying of Allahu Akbar without hearing it then this kind of utterance is not considered however this saying is weak and the correct opinion is that it is not a condition to make himself hear what he utters because this hearing of his utterance is something extra to the saying and to the utterance itself and whatever is extra to what what is brought forth by the sunnah then the one who claims that is required to provide the dalil, the evidence and therefore in the case that the person is sure that the letters were pronounced but he didn't hear himself whether due to weakness in his hearing ability or due to some sounds around him or some other reason then the preponderating opinion is that all of his sayings are sound and considered 
and therefore no extra conditions can be laid down more than the condition of the utterance itself now the saying Allahu Akbar there is no substitute for this saying there is no other substitute meaning you say the person says Allahu Akbar and there is no other substitute like for example if the person would say Allah is the magnificent one or the most magnificent or the like then this is not suffice why? because the wordings of remembrance are restricted by the texts and therefore they cannot be substitutable why? because it may carry a meaning meaning the substitute in this case may carry a meaning to us that it is sufficient as a substitute whereby in reality it is not <coughs> so now if someone says Allahu Al-Akbar Allah is the one who is great some of the scholars said that this is <coughs> sufficient others said it is not and the correct opinion that it is not why? Because when you say Allahu Akbar, omitting what is preferred upon, because this is a term of preference, a noun of preference, Akbar, and when that when what is preferred upon is omitted this indicates absolute greatness contrary to your saying Allahu Al-Akbar Allah is the one who is great in addition this is what is brought forth by the textual evidence and our messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرُنَا فَهُوَ Whoever does something which is not in accordance with our way will have it rejected. Therefore, the obligation is to say Allahu Akbar. Case. If the person does not know the Arabic and cannot pronounce it, what is he supposed to do? We say we have a legal foundation stated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 286. And this foundation is لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not burden a soul more than its scope or beyond its scope beyond its ability also this is the same asserted in Surah At-Taghabun in Surah At-Taghabun chapter 64 verse 16 قال الله عز وجل فاتقوا الله ما استطعتم فاتقوا الله ما استطعتم and fear Allah to the best of your ability and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said إِذَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِأَمْرٍ فَأْتُوا مِنْهُ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ If I command you to do something then carry of it that which you are able to do So in this case therefore he may utter the takbir by his language and there is no harm in that because he may not be able to do otherwise now if someone says why don't we tell him to be silent and 
intend the takbir in your heart? The answer, we say to him, make the takbir with your language, by your language, because the takbir comprises wording second meaning and third saying in the heart so it comprises the three things the saying of the heart the word and this is the Arabic and the third is the meaning and this person who doesn't know the Arabic can make the takbir by his heart and can make the takbir by the meaning but cannot do it by the word and if we take by this noble verse in Surah Al-Taghabun verse 16 so, so keep your duty to Allah and fear Him as much as you can then we say here you are unable or here you are able rather to do two things and you are unable to do the third therefore come up with the two and they are the takbir by the heart and by the meaning and the third is not required it's lifted and that is the utterance by the word because you are incapable of doing now let us go to the meaning of the takbir Allahu Akbar what does it mean and what's the occasion for starting the salah by the takbir the answer it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater than anything in himself his names and attributes and his qualities and in every possible meaning comprised in this takbir Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in surah al-zumar chapter 39 verse 67 they made not a just estimate of Allah such as due to him and on the day of resurrection the whole of the earth will be grasped by his hand and the heavens will be rolled up in his right hand glorified is he and high is he above all that they associate as partners with him وَقَالَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلُ and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most mighty the most magnificent said in Surah Al-Anbiya chapter 21 verse 104 كما بدأنا أول خلق نعيده وعدا علينا إنا كنا فاعلين يوم نطوي السماء كطي السجل للكتب كما بدأنا أول خلق نعيده وعدا علينا إنا كنا فاعلين and remember the day when we shall roll up the heavens like a scroll rolled up for books as we began the first creation we shall repeat it it is a promise binding upon us truly we shall do it and the one whose greatness is as such then he is greater than everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in Surah Al-Jathiyah chapter 45 verse 37 وَلَهُ الْكِبْرِيَاءُ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ And his alone is the majesty in the heavens and the earth and he is the almighty, the all-wise 
point of caution. Some of the scholars claim that the meaning of Allahu Akbar, Allah is the greater, is that it means Allahu Kabir, Allah is great. But this is a weak claim. In fact, very weak. Because every person knows the difference between Kabir and Akbar, between great and greater. They ran away from the issue of Al-Mufadala, giving excellence, excellence over the creation. <coughs> they ran away from this. But this led them, such running away, led them to fall in that which is more evil from that which they ran away from, thinking that what they ran away from is is something quote not fitting why? because it led them to bring a description of Allah Allahu Kabir Allah is great if we take by it on the apparent in this case the created and the creator would be the same this is like their interpretation to the verse concerning the attribute of knowledge in chapter 68 verse 7 in Surah Al-Qalam إِنَّ رَبَّكَ هُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِمَنْ ضَلَّ عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ أَعْلَمُ Noun of preference concerning knowledge أعلم What did they say? Verily your Lord knows better Who among men has gone astray from his path And he knows better those who are guided They said we say Allah is knower They want to run from this knows better or knows best they say we can say Allah is the knower. Why? Because to them, when you bring the format of preference, and you say A'lam, A'lam, best knower, this necessitates preference and a preferred upon. And thus you would be comparing the Creator and the Created. You compare the Creator to the Created. This is like diminishing of His status. We say in response, What's the hindrance or hindering matter for to say that Allahu A'lamu, Allah knows better than every knower there is no no obstacle rather even you know if you say Allahu Alim Allah is knower then you bring a wording which does not prevent quote sharing why because you say Allahu Alim Allah is knower and such and such is knower. And which is more profound and more eloquent in description? To bring a wording which prevents co-chairing through the preference format, the absolute preference, or you bring a wording which does not prevent co-chairing. Certainly, the preference format, which is absolute preference this is the preferred and just think about it this way Allah says about himself Allahu A'lamu Allah knows best or better so how come you would say that Allah is knower this in fact 
takes away some of the meaning. And therefore we say, Allahu Akbar is noun of preference covering everything, meaning Allah is greater than everything. And that's why the preferred upon is omitted, because say, Allahu Akbar, Allah is greater. This means greater in the absolute sense. Now, case. How do we, how should we pronounce this utterance? Some of the ulama are with the opinion that it is disliked to lengthen the utterance, to lengthen it, when you utter it. Even when you stand up from sujood, from the prostration posture to the standing posture, although it's a lengthy move, or when you go down to the prostration, given the length between the standing and the prostration. So they said this is the slight, because it was not mentioned in the Sunnah, and therefore it is the slight. So this is stated by some of the fuqaha, the jurisprudence, may Allah's mercy be upon them. However, what's apparent, and Allah the Most High knows best, that the case is accommodating. And to have it lengthened in the utterance, is by no means better than shortening it, cutting it short, as thought by some people. Some people say, you make the ruku, you make a certain utterance for ruku', and for sujood you make another way, and for the tashahud, and between the two sajda. Why? They say, so that the person behind you praying is like a robot. How come? They say, if the takbir, the utterance of the takbir is different, then the ma'moom, the one being led in the prayer, will follow such change even though his heart may be distracted. And that if you, on the other hand, shorten it in one format, then in this case, the ma'moom, the one being led in the prayer, becomes more tense, and he fears to stand up in the place of sujood or to sit down in the place of qiyam of standing these precautionary measures as you have heard them can be removed by saying that the Prophet did not as there is no proof to indicate did not differentiate between the way of utterance of the takbirs in fact rather what's apparent from his salah alayhi salatu wasalam is that he didn't differentiate this is because when he made the pulpit he prayed on it and he said إِنَّمَا فَعَلْتُ هَذَا I have done this لِتَأْتَمُّ بِي so that you follow me وَلِتَعْلَمُوا صَلَاتِي and that you learn my salah had he been differentiating between the takbir utterances then the people would have followed him on that. 
even though he may not have been on the pulpit. So, Ahambushay, the most important thing is to follow the Sunnah. In addition with the benefit that the Ma'mum, the one being led in the prayer, concentrates so that he knows the number of rakah. So therefore, what seems to be the apparent from the action of the Prophet ﷺ is that there is no differentiating between the takbir and you have heard that some of the scholars have disliked the lengthening of the of the utterance of Allahu Akbar and some of them went with the opinion that he may lengthen the takbir when going from the standing position to the sujood and from the sujood to the standing position because of the length between the length of time between these two pillars so the Muslim now in the prayer says Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar which means Allah is greater he says this while raising his hands, leveling them with his shoulder, with his shoulders. And this came in the Sunnah, in, in numerous hadiths, like the hadith of Ibn Umar, that the Prophet ﷺ used to raise his hands to the level with his shoulders when he opens the salah and when he makes takbir for ruku' and when he lifts his head from ruku' and also it's authentically reported that he sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to raise his hands upon standing from the sitting position for tashahud the first tashahud also it has been authentically reported that he sallallahu alayhi wasallam would raise his hands with his fingers stretched and he would raise them until they were leveled with the tops of his ears as reported in Al-Bukhari and Abu Dawood and that he would raise them with fingers apart not spaced out nor together nor together as reported by Abu Dawood and Ibn Khuzayma and it was and Al-Hakim and he authenticated it and Al-Dhahabi and Al-Dhahabi agreed to the authentication of Al-Hakim now here we say that Alhamdulillah this is from the Sunnah and as we will know later that he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would raise his hands sometimes with takbir sometimes after takbir and sometimes before it as we will explain later so raising his hands say Allahu Akbar while raising his hands here is this common to men and women or is it specific to men as we will discuss, inshallah, later, we will know that the woman is like the man in the salah, except that she lets her legs down and brings herself together and not spread out herself when in sujood. And thus we know 
that she raises her hand like the man and if someone says what is the evidence for such a generality concerning the applicability of this ruling to the men and women we say the dalil is adamu dalil ala taqsis the dalil the evidence is the absence of evidence indicating particularization and in origin whatever is affirmed concerning the men is also affirmed concerning the woman and vice versa as long as there is no authentic particularization in either way and in this case لا دليل هنا there is no evidence here that the woman does not raise her hands rather the texts are general and we know that the Prophet said صلوا كما رأيتموني أصلي pray as you had seen me praying and the address covers both men and women now if someone says what is the wisdom of raising the hands the answer إن الحكمة في ذلك the answer the wisdom in that is the following of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this is the thing which renders the person secure from scattering his thoughts in all directions and that's why when Umm al-Mu'mineen the mother of the believers Aisha may Allah be pleased with her when she was asked what's the matter with the menstruating woman she makes up the fasting but she does not make up the salah she said كَانَ يُصِيبُنَا ذَلِكَ فَنُؤْمَرُ بِقَضَاءِ الصَّوْمِ وَلَا نُؤْمَرُ بِقَضَاءِ الصَّلَاةِ this thing used to befall us and we were commanded to make up the fasting but we were not commanded to make up the salah so in this case Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha gave us the hikmah, the wisdom through the text itself why? because the text is the objective for every believer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in Surah Al-Ahzab in chapter 37 verse in chapter 33 verse 36 it is not for a believer man or woman when Allah and his messenger have decreed a matter that they should have any option in their decision and whoever disobeys Allah and his messenger he has indeed strayed in a plain error so when the believer is told this is the ruling of Allah and his messenger then his task is to say سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا we hear and we obey Nevertheless, we may contemplate so that we may attain some of the wisdoms from the action of the Prophet And thus we say, in raising the hands, there is a glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most mighty and most majestic and therefore in such movement and such utterance when we say Allahu Akbar and we raise the hands 
in the saying and in action we are magnifying Allah and we are worshipping him through such action and such saying so in this case when you say Allahu Akbar Allah is greater there is no doubt that if you contemplate this meaning complete or perfectly then this whole life this worldly life will disappear before you because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater than everything and that now you are standing between the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the one who is greater than everything furthermore some of the scholars went into another deduction saying that raising the hand is a movement indicating the lifting of the hijab the veil between you and Allah and normally the person lifts things with his hands and works with his hands and yet there is a third deduction and that is this is such movement this is from the adornment of Salah because when the person stands and makes the takbir without moving it would not be the perfectly sought way of performing the Salah however this is open to question meaning such fair deduction is open to question back now to the two points we have discussed standing in the prayers the musalli, the one who makes the salah opens the salah by takbir by saying Allahu Akbar and raising the hands and raising the hands as was discussed earlier to the level of the shoulders then also to the top of the ear loops now if someone says suppose there is some kind of a defect which prevents the person from raising the hands to the level of the shoulders what should he or she do we say the person raises the hands to the extent he or she is able to do because again in accordance with the great principle in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ and fear Allah to the best of your ability also suppose there is on the other hand a defect such that the person cannot lift the hands to the level of the shoulders but rather higher than that like for example supposing that his joints do not bent and rather they are straight so should he raise them to levels higher than the shoulders the answer is yes because again Allah says fear Allah to the best of your ability now suppose he is unable to to raise both hands but rather only able to raise one hand then he may do so if he is unable to raise one hand he may raise the other one why? because the Prophet ﷺ one time when he is standing in, on the plain of Arafah then the halter of his camel fell and 
he had his hands raised invoking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he took the halter of his camel by one of his hands while the other was still raised invoking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with it and this hadith is reported by Imam Ahmad and An-Nasai and it's Isnad it's chain of narration is Sahih as a Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah authenticated it in Sahih al-Nasai again he raises the hands the fingers in the natural way held together in a natural way meaning not spaced and not all together and he may raise them as mentioned earlier to the top of the to the tops of his ears and therefore here we know that the raising of the hands took different forms and here the ulama may Allah's mercy be upon them differed as to these kinds of worships which came in different on various ways should the person is it better to stick oneself to one form of it one manner or is it it is better or is it better to do them all at different times the correct opinion is to do them at different times to bring them all but at different times so here raising the hands to the level of the shoulders and also to the tops of the ears and each is a sun and therefore what's best therefore is to bring one time this manner raising it raising the hands to the level of the shoulder and the next one or another time bring the other one why in order to manifest the sunnah in the two ways and also to make the sunnah alive because if you take by one format all the time and you leave the other then the other will be forgotten and the sunnah would not stay alive in this way so therefore unless we do this one time and this another in fact such alteration brings the presence brings forth the concentration of the heart contrary to the situation where the person may be doing this all the time and it becomes like a habit like a tool like a machine and this is something witnessed and that's why the person who sticks to the invocation the opening invocation in the salah which is subhanak allahumma wa bihamdik declaring Allah free from all imperfection and praising him if he sticks to this all the time then you will find him taking this as a habit and he doesn't feel the meaning but if on the other hand he says this invocation and then brings another invocation from the sunnah therefore bringing these in such ways brings the following benefits number one following the sunnah second reviving the sunnah third the bringing forth the presence of the heart during the worship in fact there could be another benefit a fourth one sometimes some of the forms is shorter than the other as it is the case in the remembrance after salah sometimes the person may be in a hurry after finishing the prayers so in this case he can perform the shorter remembrance which is subhanallah ten times alhamdulillah ten times and allahu akbar ten times in this way he is making the sunnah also fulfilling 
his need. And there is no harm on the person to do this while also intending to perform or to carry on a certain need. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, in chapter 2, verse 198, لَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٌ أَن تَبْتَغُوا فَضْلًا مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ Concerning the people in pilgrimage. They may seek some sustenance if they wish. Finally, we said that, yes, this is the verse, لَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٌ أَن تَبْتَغُوا فَضْلًا مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ There is no sin on you if you seek the bounty of your Lord during pilgrimage by trading, etc. Some of... Now, therefore, the musalli, the one in the prayer, says, Allahu Akbar, raising his hands. As to the raising of the hands, again, this came... in various ways some narrations reporting that the Prophet ﷺ used to raise his hands then make the takbir and some that he would make the takbir then raise his hands and some raising his hands while making the takbir so here again the matter is accommodating whether you do this or you do that but if you bring them in bring forth all these different ways then in this case you will be targeting the sunnah reviving the sunnah bringing forth the concentration of the heart والحمد لله رب العالمين. So this brings the end of this second discussion on the description of the salah. I ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى to make it a benefit for me and for all of you. والحمد لله رب العالمين. وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم.